know you're not the way you were last month. You know you're not the way you were last year. You've grown spiritually. God has enhanced you. You've learned some new things and you've taken on some new understandings that cause you to be more solid and stable in your relationship with God. Why? Because you were and still are in the place called transition. This is the Faith Center Audio Experience, spreading the word of God around the world. Because with the sword of the spirit and the anointing of God, you can go forward. Places there, but let's begin chapter 32 in the book of Exodus, and then we will move over to chapter 34 of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 and 8, and then verses 15 through 19. And when you have that, say, I have arrived. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for the people, thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Mm. Verses 15 through 19. And Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables, the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mounts. Let's travel over to Exodus chapter 34. Verses 1 through 5. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone, like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first 
tables which thou brokest or breakest and be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount and no man shall come up with thee neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount and he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord is blessed you may have your seats <clears throat> For the record, it absolutely amazes me the lengths that our God will go to in order to, in order to get to us what we need. He is an awesome God, a mighty God, and here's the key. He is a merciful God. Because the reality is none of the things, none of the gifts, none of the blessings that he gives us, none of them do we actually deserve. But he is a merciful God. God obviously knows something that we don't know about even our own selves. Because every time I turn around, even though I have messed up, God keeps cleaning me up. Every time I turn around, even though I do not deserve the blessings, God keeps blessing me. I messed up on yesterday. I don't necessarily recall or can put my finger on what I did, but I'm confident that somehow, some kind of way, I messed up. Yet when I woke up this morning, there were new mercies by my bedside. And the grace of God was upon my life. Mm, God is a good God. God is a giving God. Look at your neighbor and tell them this morning. Tell them, God is a giving God. A merciful, giving God. That is a good way to characterize our God. Is there one amen left in your belly? The interesting thing about God's giving is that it is always connected to his mercy. The fact that we don't deserve it. God obviously knows something about us that we don't. We know, he knows obviously that our love for him is true, but we keep failing him. And then when we repent, he's right there for us, merciful giving us what we've asked for and giving us what we don't have the sense enough to ask for because we truly don't know what we need we think we know what we need that's why when we pray we should pray father thy will be done because God always knows better than we do am I preaching yet God in all of his giving and in all that he's doing, God is trying to get us to a place. There's a place 
that we're not yet at, that he's trying to get us to. And you can't get to the place any old kind of way. You cannot have any type, any kind of mindset. You mind uh, set. You have to be able to think in a certain way. You have to have certain expectations. You have to know God at a certain level in order to get to this place. Because obedience, yes, will get you to the place called there, but it takes integrity to keep you there. It's easy to do what God says right now because I'm feeling it. But when you get there, can you stay there? Your spiritual integrity is required of you that you remain in that blessed place that God is trying to bring us there. He's trying to get us to a place that is much better than where we are. This is why the story in Exodus is so applicably significant to us. The Israelites in the wilderness were in transition. That's an operative word. I haven't decided if it's the operative word for today, but that's an operative word. The word transition. Come on and say transition. Everyone in the room is in transition. Come on, say it again. Transition. You might as well admit it. Say, I am in transition. Why? Because God is trying to get me to the place that he wants me to be, but I'm not yet there. But I can't go there and be there any old kind of way, so there's some changes that have to take place. Not all the changes right now, but while I'm in transition. See, the word transition, the word transition literally means to change while in transit or to change while in motion. God loves us so much that he allows us to continue to live when we messed up because we're in transit. We're continuing to change. You know you're not the way you were last month. You know you're not the way you were last year. You've grown spiritually. God has enhanced you. You've learned some new things. And you've taken on some new understandings that cause you to be more solid and stable in your relationship with God. Why? Because you were and still are in the place called transition. I continue to change. God is merciful to us because he realizes that we're in transition. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I'm going to be. But I'm in transition. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the phrase that has been coined is so apropos. I can see you in the future. And you're looking much better than you're looking right now. Why? Because I'm in transition. Not only were the people of Israel in transition, Reverend Ranford, but Moses himself was in transition. I'm looking out and I'm peering at a great people, but you haven't arrived to the place yet. You're great, but there's more change that must take place in your life. God is not through working with you. You must remain faithful. God wants to show you some more of himself to you. Because the more of God that you know, the more you can accomplish to the glory of God. Many times the, 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 the degree that you accomplish is directly connected to how well you know your God. Mm-hmm. 
My goodness, I, I believe this word is blessing somebody. Amen. So we're in transition. Another way to say it is that we are yet evolving. <laughs> evolving. All kinds of scriptures are going in my head to support this, but I only have so much time. Is it all right that I don't just continually give y'all scripture to support? Can you take me at his word? Amen. This is from the Lord. Amen. God gives to us even. This is relevant because God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments for the people. But the Ten Commandments weren't just for the people. It was for Moses too. What God gives to you is not just for others, but it's also for others, but it's also for you. If God blesses you, it's not just for you. In fact, I think it's fair to say that God never blesses you just for you. It is to be spread abroad. We see that even in the tithe and offering. He gives to us that we might give out to the right people and to the right place. Amen. God is a giving God and so he wants us to be giving in our love, in our time, in our attendance, in our substance, in our things, in our stuff. We're supposed to be a giving people. He gives to us because he loves us and there's something that he wants to accomplish with us. God has a plan. God never does anything just because. In fact, we see it so clearly. And I, I think we may quote this scripture just about every Sunday. And it's not by mistake. It's purpose. There are several scriptures. Have you ever noticed? You know you come to church on Sunday. You know you're going to hear this scripture. And can I tell you something? You're going to keep on hearing it. Until it takes hold of your spirit. He keeps on giving. St. John 3 and 16. Come on, church. For God, so the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He did it. He gave because he loved. His love for us is past our comprehending. I, I don't care what you say. You cannot understand. You cannot perceive the depth of God's love for you. You know you messed up. You even took his name in vain. Had a nerve some of y'all to say, I don't believe all that mess. But yet God still blessed you to the point that you came to a place that you realized truth and said, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I'll do your will. Yes, Lord, to your way. Who can understand that after you dog me out, I'm still going to treat you good. After you dog me out, I'm still going to let you eat from my table. After you dog me out, you going to call me up and ask me for a dime after you dog me out. Who can understand this kind of love? God is a loving God. That he gives us what? We need to get to the place that he's trying to bring us to. I dare you to think of that for a moment. Y'all gonna work with me this morning? Why y'all so quiet? Talk to me. Are you all comprehending this? Praise God. Talk to me. <laughs> it's important to note that whatever God gives to you, as I said, it's always significant. 
because it's relevant to him bringing you or getting you to a place not just you but those around you as I said it's never just for you you and your new car it's not just for you you and your new job it's not just for you and your family alone you and your incredibly skilled self. It's not just for you, but to help others get to the place. One of my great joys is to educate people on the principles of prosperity. Not just prosperity alone in terms of a physical way, but even spiritually. I want you to prosper in spirit. I want you to know God in a real way with true relationship because God will speak to you. God will cause the spirit of calm and peace to come to you when you're in the midst of chaos. This thing really works and I want to help you to find it, to discover it. It blesses me when I'm able to sit with someone and talk with someone to help them to prosper. The word prosperity, when I speak of prosperity, I'm not just talking about dollars and cents. I would that it would mean more sense. Somebody will get that after a while. But prosperity literally means to be enlarged, to do better, to be better. And that's what I want for all of y'all. I want all of y'all to do better. Amen. You ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. Whatever you have, God's got more of it. Amen. I thought there might be one more amen left. Amen. And so God gives to Moses the Ten Commandments. He speaks to them, he gives them the word, and he in turn gives it to the people. What a great and awesome gift it is. The combination of these gifts that we're speaking of. In fact, the combinations, the combination of gifts, talents, and abilities, it's actually called your skill set. We touched on that word last Sunday. How many were here last Sunday? God has given you a skill set. It is a set of abilities, talents, gifts that exist to help you get to the place. Come on and say the place. Wherever you are ascribing to, wherever you see in your future, wherever you see beyond the horizon that you're trying to get to, that's called the place. Heaven is the place. New Jerusalem is the place. A better place, a better relationship with God is the place. God wants you to get to the place. And so he gives you a skill set in order to get there. The things that you will need to use in order to get there. There is not one gifting, not one ability, not one talent that you will not have to use in order to get to the place where God wants you to be. God doesn't give you anything for no reason. It would become wasteful. And there is nothing that God will ever give you that he means for you to waste. Amen. Oh my goodness, this is good preaching. So if you have it, if you're not using it now, I promise you, you're going to need to use it eventually. They are waiting in the belly of your spirit to be called upon, to be pulled upon. Unfortunately, many times when time comes to the test and we're in that place where we have need, we don't pull on our skill set properly. Amen. 
but I challenge the people of God to pull on your pull, pull on your skill set. And that's why it's important to know what gifts, talents, and skills you actually have, what abilities you know. You need to know the limit of your skill set so that you don't surpass it unless God calls you further. Because it's okay to be, it's okay to go beyond your skill set, but only when God calls you, because God knows he will mess with your skill set and give you what you don't have. He will improve your skill set. He will add to your skill set. He'll give you extra strength, extra fervor to work beyond your ordinary. That's why many of us are surprised when we see ourselves, how we've come out of something. Because you thought, if that was last month, I would have killed it. I would have went off. I would have lost it. Oh, I see one hand going up. But look at somebody and tell them, but God. But God. Moses had a very interesting skill set. Your skill set doesn't begin to... Um, exist in your now place your skill set is given to you long before you need it and that's why we must take proper care of what God places in us and sometimes sometimes unfortunately I'm going there I'm going to kid can I just talk with y'all today because I want y'all to learn something sometimes we tend to kill the infant skill set in our children because we don't understand it or we can't handle it. There's always one child that's different. Extra. I was that different child in my family. Everybody had a skill set. But that Joseph, every time you turn around, he was messing with one of his siblings. He was putting his hands on one of his siblings. Every time you turn around, after he do his dirt, he's calling for a church meeting and saying, come on, let's play church. I had to run it all. I had to preach. I had to play the piano. By the way, I do not play the piano. Never could play the piano, but I played the piano. I took the offering. I did it all. And they better listen to me as a child and I wasn't the oldest but I commanded everyone's attention can you can you imagine if my parents would have said Joseph what you doing get out of that basement you know you ain't no preacher but they didn't kill the preacher in me they recognize that there's something different about that boy there's a leadership skill in that boy. I'm, what you gotta do, saints, is you gotta help guide those gifts and talents because you don't want them to go away. You don't want them to go crazy. I was in the Boy Scouts I, at, a, at a young, how old was I, 11, 12, whatever. I was in the Boy Scouts and I was a, I, I think that, I, I don't wanna say that I was a great leader, I was just a kid, but I did all right. But watch this, the leader in me was so strong and so great that we were the Boy Scouts and, and even though we were the Boy Scouts by day, I turned us into a gang by night. I'm not proud of that. But I had the command of the people. And so what I'm saying is sometimes your gifts, your talents, if, if you don't understand them, you use them for the wrong reason. 
And so you as parents have to know how to cultivate, how to direct your children. That's right. Hone that thing. Hew that thing. Hew that stone in the way that it should be shaped. Heard on one day this week, one of the one of now bishops told the story, and you look at him, you would never think him. He used to be a heavy drug user, and uh, one of the members came to him. You know, he's delivered, saved beautifully, powerful man of God. And one of the one of the members came to him and was saying, I, "Man, I don't know if I can do this." You know, and he was he was into selling drugs, but he gave his life to the Lord. So what, how do I, what do I do? And, and the bishop had, had the wisdom of to say, well, uh, number one, you was out there selling drugs. All you need to do is change your product. He said, <laughs> obviously this was a long time ago because that person is doing it exceptionally well. He says, man, get you some cookies. Get on the street and sell some cookies. He was the best cookie dealer, I mean seller. <laughs> so see, you've got to know how to direct. And, and I believe he said, I believe he said last year he was the biggest tithe giver in the church. Uh-huh. So you've got to know how to deal with your skill set that it brings glory and honor to God. Because if it brings glory and honor to God, I promise you it's going to be a blessing to you, to your family, to your neighborhood, to your community, to all the people around you, to your family. It's going to bless you. But you've got to know how to control yourself. Control your skill set. I dare you to think about it there. And could see, you don't get so old that you can't use your skill set to prosper. Amen. I keep telling y'all the story. Colonel Samuels was 65 years old when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. He died as a billionaire. I didn't, did, did I say a millionaire? I meant a billionaire. He died a billionaire. Started at the age of 65. What kind of mess is this? Can you imagine what God can do with you, with your young self? I know I'm still young. I'm 63 years old. I got 80 some people, 80 some, 80 year old people telling me you just a boy. <laughs> if I'm just a boy at 63, child, you just a infant. <laughs> infant. <laughs> I want y'all to understand what I'm saying. The sky is not the limit because there's a place beyond the sky. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. Moses had a very interesting skill set. And it started at a young age. He was intelligent. He was taught in the best schools, in the, in the Pharaoh's court. He went to the best school. Moses was, was intelligent and he was an excellent fighter. Moses could fight. You all see how he killed that man the other day? When he saw an injustice being done? Why couldn't he have just slapped the man around? No, he got to go and kill him. He worked that out, that skill set. <laughs> His skill set was awesome. Moses, among the articles in his skill set was courage. 
Moses was not afraid. Even though he ran from Pharaoh. <laughs> he knew that if I die now, my purpose is aborted. So let me advance to the rear. See, sometimes you can't always run away. Sometimes you got to advance to the rear. Somebody will get that after a while. Praise the Lord. So he understood that he had a skill set. He would need this skill set in order to accomplish his God-given purpose, which was to bring the people of God out of Egypt and to the mountain in the wilderness that they would worship God. That was his purpose. And all the things that had happened in his life was all to add to, to increase, to strengthen his skill set. May I submit to you that those things that teed you off existed to strengthen your skill set. It was time to use what was in your arsenal, the arsenal of your skill set. You had to pull on them. Anger is actually one of the tools in your skill set. But you've got to know that you must control your skill set and not allow it to control you. Don't ever let anger control you. You must control it. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. There's a time to be angry so that you can accomplish what is needed to accomplish. Because some things you just won't do unless you get angry. And when you let it fester too long, you always are in a place called danger that you might go too far. So you've got to learn to manage your emotions. As people of God today, if you're going to be successful, you must manage your emotions. Every single one of them. You must manage your emotions. When God gives you something, there ought to be such care of that gift. You should have such appreciation, respect, and a guarding of that gifting. Even if it's, hey, some of y'all know you're hot-tempered. If you're not careful, you'll cut them in a minute. And like I said last, last week, you'll cut them in a minute and say, uh, excuse me, what was that you said? Sandra, you looking all serious. I heard about you. <laughs> From you. But, we, but, we, but it serves a purpose. But you've got to learn to manage your emotions. We're living in a day, saints of God, that you must manage them. Stop cursing this feeling. Stop cursing these emotions. You simply got to control them. You got to manage them. Because some things will not change until you become angry enough, until you become teed off enough. Because you got that long-suffering spirit. You're so patient that you won't do anything about it. Except... You get angry. But when, you, I'm just, Lord, help me to help your people. I, maybe some of y'all never heard this kind of preaching. I go to church and I got here. It's good to have anger. I'm not saying it's just good. It's what you do with it. It is a God-given emotion. All of these emotions are God-given. 
The Bible said that there's some things that God doth hate. You've been told all your life that you ought not hate nothing. There's some things that if you don't get to the place that you don't hate it, you'll fall back into it. Oh. And you know, hate is a learned experience. And so some of y'all need to learn to hate sin. So that you don't go back into it. Mm. And so we've got to learn to appreciate these emotions. <laughs> Why? So that you don't drop your rock when you're supposed to be delivering the rock to the people. That is the title of the message today. Look at your neighbor halfway or more through the message and tell them, don't drop your rock. <laughs> Brother Boyd, don't drop your rock. Other brother Boyd, don't drop your rock. What am I talking about? Cause you see something. Moses came down the mountain and he saw the people butt naked dancing. He saw it all. Dancing around a false god, a man-made god. That's what we do when we get crazy. We dance around our man-made God. It was necessary for Moses to have a hot temper because that's what it took for him sometimes to get things done. But he had to know when enough was enough. <sighs> Selah, Selah, Selah. Some of y'all didn't, y'all looking at me funny. You didn't make that change till you, till you experienced that anger that went beyond. You were so teed off that you had what we call enough and then you finally did something about it. But what you have to remember is you cannot afford to break, bust, or lose what God gave you. Moses allowed what he saw to stop his flow. In this world, you got to be able to see stuff that turn your stomach, but you keep on doing what God called you to do. I'm going there. Listen, this is a holiness church. Y'all can say what you want. If you all leave, it's still a holiness church. What disgusts God disgusts me. I was, my wife and I was watching TV maybe a week and a half or so ago and I saw on the TV, listen, look, this is me and I'm real. I'm just telling y'all. And I saw two men turn and kiss, I mean like it was a man and a woman, one of them juicy ones. I said, yuck, I, 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 I think I threw something. <laughs> But it doesn't make me want to stop preaching the truth. It also doesn't make me stop looking at TV. Because see, I got to be in the know of what I need to correct. 
It takes a stomach. It takes courage. It takes strength to see the ugliness in this world. I detest some of the things that I see, but I can't give up. I can't drop my rock. I can't throw it down. I'm through. I'm out of here. I, I can't take no more. You're going to take it and you're going to like it. Because it's God's will for your life. And if God allowed you to see it, I promise you, you can handle it. Dancing around a false God. Talking about this is the God that brought us out of Israel, out of Egypt. What kind of mess? How dare you attribute? I can understand the fervor of his anger. I can understand it. I mean, truly the God of heaven, the God of creation, did those plagues there and touched the, the heart, the mind, and everything of Pharaoh that he was to the point to go, just take your stuff and go. The God that opened up the Red Sea, the God that enabled us to fight our enemies and win, the God that brought us through all the, and you're going to attribute that to something that you made with your hands? I understand the fervor of his anger. But look at somebody say, don't drop the rock. Don't drop the rock. I want you to understand that no matter what they say, no matter what they what you see, no matter what they do to you, you cannot afford to drop the rock. Somebody said that the rock is Jesus. He is my rock. Hallelujah. No matter what you see, it doesn't change the truth of who God is. No matter what you see, it doesn't change the truth of what God did for you. He picked me up from the Mari clay. He brought me out. He started me on my way. He healed me. He delivered me. He's still God. He's still holy. His word is still righteous. He's God all by himself. Look at somebody yelling their face and tell them, don't drop your rock. Don't drop your purpose. I know they told you no at the bank, but don't drop your rock. I know that they told you no at the hospital. There's no way, but don't drop your rock. I know they told you no in the interview, but don't drop your rock. I know they told you at the college finance office, no, but don't drop your rock. Trust him when it looks like there's no way. Trust him when you can't feel it. Trust him when you're seeing something contrary. Trust God and live. Trust God and prosper. Trust God and get the victory. Go tell three people. Tell them, don't drop your rock. Tell them, don't drop your rock. Don't, 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 don't drop. I know that God helped me. 
your child in the end, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what the doctor said. for a minute. I want y'all to see something. Watch this. God is a merciful God. Look at somebody and tell them God is a merciful God. He's a merciful God. 
You see, the interesting thing is because I told y'all, it, it amazes me what God will do to get you to the place where you understand divine truth. It's amazing what God will do to get the gift to you so that you can continue to get to that place. We are in transition and we've got to get to that place that God wants us to be in the text today. We read from uh, Exodus 32 and Exodus 34. But see, there's other parts of Exodus that we have to bring into the story to get the full enlightenment of what God is doing with his people in this process of transition. Are you still with me? In the text today, we see that God has mercifully provided his people with a written record of his will called the Ten Commandments. You gonna work with me, Pastor Knox? Work with me, work with me. You look at your clock and tell me when 10 minutes has expired and then I'll tell you thank you. Mm -hmm. Watch this, sincerely. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Actually, here in Exodus 34, where we're dealing with right now, this was, watch this, because some of y'all didn't know this, I know it. This was actually the third time that the people of God would have received a record of God's will or the commandments, the Ten Commandments. I noticed some of y'all haven't heard that before, but I'm, it's all right. I'm going to prove it. The first, the first was a verbal record. It was not first written on tablets, but the Bible in chapter 24 talks about how God called Moses up into the mountain. Well, let me just go to the scripture. Exodus 24 and verse 3 says, and Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord had said will we do. In other words, Moses went up into the mountain, just him and God, in the place of isolation where God gave him divine revelation. He put into the heart of Moses what to go down and tell the people what his expectations were. It was not written. It was in the heart of God. It was from the heart of God into the heart of Moses. Now, I gave you all the scripture so you wouldn't be able to call me a liar. Three occasions he gives them these commandments. Are you still with me? But you see, God is so God that he's going to make sure that there's an imprint in your heart. Because some of y'all, when I tell you something, you're not going to get it. I got to hand you something. I've got to watch this. Watch. Sometimes you got to wrap it in the flesh and send it to you so you can see it and hear it so that you'll know it. And so the next time God in chapter 34, chapter 32, the next time God calls him up. Matter of fact, he calls him up into the mountain again. And this time, watch this, here's the key. This time God hews out from the side of the mountain a stone, not Moses, but God. God did the, God did the hard work. God labored to cut into the stone take it out and the Bible says that God wrote on the stone that he hewed out the Ten Commandments and then God sent him down to deliver it to the people but they already heard the will of God see sometimes God has to knock us on our head to remind us of what we already know Exodus 32, 16 says, and the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. But Moses, when he came down, saw the people in their sin. He was only gone for 40 days. 
you know the book, you know the story. The people said, we don't know where this Moses is. We don't know what he's doing. What kind of man, the God that brought you over the Red Sea, kept you on a day, you still eating the Lord's bread. It's a miracle how he gave it to you. And you talking about, we don't know. And so Moses come down. The people had convinced, they had convinced Aaron, the brother of Moses, the priest of God. They had convinced them, him to make a false God. Can I tell y'all something? God, I don't want to give any of y'all the permission to sin or to think that it's right. It's not. Because if you read the entire text, you'll understand it. They had to pay for it. But watch this. Even though Aaron took the gold earrings and all the gold of the people, melted it down and made a calf, a false god for them to worship and them to take off their clothes, get, excuse the expression, get butt naked. <laughs> a display of their sin and dance around the cow, the cow, the calf. Even though they did that, even then, God had already prepared the priestly attire for Aaron to wear. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Because he knew of his future. <laughs> Some of y'all act just as cra- contrary. <laughs> and all along, God still got your robe hanging in the heavenly hall of heaven. He's not going to bless you in your mess. He's waiting for you to get right. And he's so God that he knows that you're going to get it right. Yes, he is. That's reason to praise him right there. Even Moses. God is the one that allowed him to exist in that type of emotion. Hot-tempered. But God was not intimidated by his hot-tempered self, his hot-tempered nature. I'm looking at some people that have a hot nature. I'm looking at a people that got issues. But yet the hand of God is still upon your life. It doesn't mean that your sinfulness is acceptable unto God. He just knows you better than you know him. And Moses had to pay for it, but he was forgiven. God never told Moses to drop what he gave him. God never told him to throw down the gifting, the blessing that he gave him. God didn't tell you to leave your calling. God didn't tell you to let your dream go because you saw somebody acting out of character because somebody told you no. Can I tell you, I've come to the place now that somebody tell me no, those are war words to me. Those are fight. Now I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I can do it with you or without you as long as I got King Jesus in my life. Because here, here come that other script. I can do all things. Through Christ that strengthened me. He saw some, some of y'all got ticked off at something. I ain't going to that church no more. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. And you one of them too. 
Not going back to that hypocritical church. Can I tell you something? If you found the perfect church and you went inside, it's no more perfect. God is long suffering. He will put up with your foolishness for a while. But then the judgment. The Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. But I come to tell you that it doesn't end here. He threw down the rock, the tablet. I got to cut some corners because Pastor Knotts is timing. First of all, before I bring this to a closure, I want each and every one of you to know you're going to feel emotions. All of the emotions, they're God-given for a purpose. I don't care if you like the emotions or not, you're going to experience them because emotions, ex emotions alert you to the fact that there is a needed response. If you're married at midnight or sooner, you're going to experience an emotion when you see her in the essence of her beauty. All right, let me cross on the other side. While you're gazing at his wonderfully made stature, your mind shall begin to wonder, not wonder, but wander as you ponder. It's an emotion because it's necessary to cause that union to be strengthened. Come on, I'm talking to a mature audience here. I ain't said nothing that's X-rated. It is an emotion and there is a need there. All right, Pastor Knott says, okay, that means she can't handle no more of this. <laughs> so let me pick on somebody else. Brother Deacon, how you feeling today? <laughs> Emotions are necessary, but you've got to learn to control every emotion. Some of us have a spending emotion. We want to buy up everything. My wife says she has a shoe buying demon. And she says she don't want nobody to pray for deliverance. Some of us have a Starbucks. Pray. And they will tell you quick, don't pray, don't pray. But it exists for a purpose, a reason. But you must control your passion. Passion is an emotion that you don't want to kill. But you must manage it and disallow it to manage you. You need these emotions, but you've got to keep them under control. And you have the power to control them because they're not going away. It's God-given. Can I prove to you that you can control it? Come on and say, prove it, Bishop. Let me just find my scripture. Wherever it is, the Bible, I believe, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 32. It says, and the spirits, plural, of the prophets, plural, are subject to the prophet. 
In other words, your spirit, your breath, your emotions, your, your intellect, your, your feelings, all of this, your spirit, that's a small S, not a capital S. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not subject to you, but your spirit is. Check it out. 1 Corinthians 14, what did I say? 32. You check it out. That's a small S. It means your spirit. Thank you. Your spirit. I got to close. It's subject to you. All you got to do is say no to yourself and stand there. When you feel that you've gone far enough, all right, I'm alerted. I see it, Lord. I've got it. Now deal with it. Don't take it further because you end up breaking something that God needs whole in your life. You end up putting people out of your life in your anger. And God gave them to help you be sustained. God gave them to help direct you, protect you. And you because you got teed off, because they said something you didn't like, now you want to put them out of your sphere of influence. Look at somebody say, be careful. See, you got to know when people talk right in your life, even though you don't like what they say. Because I promise you, if you're going to make it into heaven, somebody's going to have to tell you something at some point that you don't want to hear, but you must hear it. And when we drop it, when we drop our rock, God is so merciful. Give me some closing music, Brother Howard. God will give you another chance. And that's where many of us are today. But I would that you would get it right the first time. Because when God gives you a second chance, you're going to have to go further. You're going to have to work harder. It's right here in the text. The first time God gave the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments in chapter 32. He called Moses up the mountain. And the Bible says God himself hewed out of the mountain the stone. And God himself wrote on the stone the Ten Commandments. But this third time here, God says to him where he was. (laughs) He said, in the morning, come up on the mountain. And by the way, you hew the stone and bring it up into the mountain. And I'm going to do the writing. That spiritual collaboration. God's not going to do everything for you. You must be a participant in your own deliverance. You must be a participant, a worker in your own prosperity. God will give you the desire. God will give you the heart, the want to, to create that business, that entrepreneurship. But he's going to say, now go down to the state house and get the articles of incorporation set and build the structure of your corporation and I'll be there to bless you. I'll touch the hearts of those that will give you business, but you got to do the work. This is going to be a spiritual collaborative effort. Now more is required of you. Not only do you have to hew it out. Well, Lord, where am I going to get the tools? The best way you can. He says, I'm going to give it. Because see, God never tells you anything that's impossible for you to do. He knows you got the tools someplace. 
Aaron had the tools. He hewed out the gold into the form of a calf. That's tools enough to dig and cut into a, a mountainside and form and shape. You've got it within you. Stop saying no, I don't know how to do this before you even think about it. I don't have the tools. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Amen. They're right in front of you.